You're listening to Sacks in the Basement, a production of the Broadcast Basement Limited, where every show is 30 minutes of good and comes from a basement bar on the south side of Chicago. Pull up a stool, pour a cold one, and join us right now for Sacks in the Basement. Heard everywhere podcasts can be found and always at SacksInTheBasement.com. And belly on up to the nine-foot homemade oak bar. Pour yourself a cold one. My name is Chris. His name is Ed. This is Socks in the Basement. 30 minutes of socks for fans, by fans for several years now. You've been joining us at my nine-foot homemade oak bar. And we've been doing something called the $1,000 Guest Bounty this entire offseason. We've got another entry in moments here. And it's a big one. If you are following us on social media, you already know who it is. Or maybe you just looked at the title of the show. And this episode is brought to you by Family Waterproofing Solutions. Let me tell you this. Uh, If you have an issue, let's say uh, Boeing walls, uh, you got some foundational issues. You went up... A little water seeping in Right. You went up and you put the the Christmas lights on the side of the house, and you're like, oh my goodness, these gutters have not been cleaned in years. Uh, Now is the time to schedule, even if uh, some of that work has to wait until everything thaws out. Give them a call 24-7 at 708-330-4466. Find out what a difference... Family makes at FamilyDry.com. Today, Ed, we have a guest on this program who is yet another contestant in the $1,000 Guest Bounty. We're going to get into who's entering this contestant in just a moment. But first, I want to introduce him. And this one's a big one. We've got a two-time All-Star. We've got a two-time last two years American League Reliever of the Year. We've got a guy who's been nominated three times for the Roberto Clemente Award, including this year. Liam Hendricks is on Socks in the Basement. How are you, sir? I'm doing well, guys. How are you, sir? We're doing great. What, uh, where are we headed to right now, Liam? Uh, so I just left Southdale Full Complex, so I played cash pretty much every day, and then uh, headed home because we had a plumber in our house today trying to figure out why I kind of get hot water in Arizona. I list all those different accomplishments. Which one's most important to you? Roberto the Roberto Clemente. I kind of figured it was the Roberto Clemente. Yeah, that's not even close. I mean, Roberto Clemente is based upon what you're able to do, not what you've kind of necessarily been given as a talent or what you've been able to do. It's literally you going out of your way to help other people. And that's what uh, that's one of the things that I'm most proud of, what my wife and I are able to do on a daily basis. Yeah, and you have the uh, South Slider Society and... Tell everybody a little bit about it if they haven't heard about it. You help out first responders. I I was a first responder and for years. And local businesses. And too, local businesses. And I think it's I think it's really awesome what you do. Yeah, so um this year we did we started the Sass Life Society, which we pretty much went and made sure that all first responders in the area like knew that they were appreciated. Like we wanted to make sure that everyone knew what we were aware of what they were able to accomplish this this offseason and this uh this year with the uh, with the pandemic going on, that we wanted to make sure we use local businesses as well as the yeah. So we, we mixed in with fire, police, uh, EMTs. We went through hospitals. We went through uh, a bunch of areas. We did um, a an animal some animal rescues as well. So it's just one of those things where we wanted to make sure we bounced around and, and took care of as many people as we could while just giving them a meal and making sure that everyone knew that uh, how much that we appreciate what they were able to do. So in addition to that, though, you were also part of Tony LaRusso's Animal Rescue Foundation and Remember Me Thursday, and you've got all these these animal uh, you know, charities that you work with as well. Did you integrate South Slida Society in with those as well? So South Slida Society was 
something we just kind of kept uh, local in Chicago. So it was more along the lines of uh, just adding the, the fact that my new name on the back of my shirt for the play a weekend name is being Slider because of the last day Slider. And then adding in the south side because we have way more fun on the south side. Uh, mixing all that in together, the, the, the animal thing we kind of kept a little bit, uh, a little bit askew with. Uh, we've been working, we've been on, uh, we've been working with Tony Larson and RSU Foundation now for, I think, since 2015 is the first year we're affiliated with them. Uh, we've been with a local Chicago uh, animal rescue place of pets. We've been on the board of them since 2014. So these are something that were well established with our, with what we were doing before we uh, we came over to Chicago. But yeah, we uh, we wanted to make sure that it was a little bit of a different entity, but. Neither one has uh, got any less effort on that This kind of brings us to our guest bounty that we're doing. We're doing a $1,000 guest bounty, and Liam, uh, and there's no rule against this, has entered himself. So essentially, yeah. if Liam Hendricks is the best guest of the offseason on Socks in the Basement, $1,000 is going to his society, the, the South Slider Society. So this will be something people will be able to vote on coming up in March, and uh, we're very excited about it. The $1,000 provided by Butch Zemar and Elite Benefits of America. He wants to help your small and mid-sized company get better health insurance. Check him out at EliteBenefits.net or give him a call at 708-535-3006. So, Liam, what's the highlight of the season for you? Uh, you know, as you sit back and you think about what happened in, in 2021, even though it didn't end, I'm sure, the way that all of you guys wanted it to end, what would have been the highlight for you? Was there a moment? Was there an accomplishment? Was there was there something that the team did or something you saw somebody else do on your team that that, that sticks out for you in 2021? It's no one singular accomplishment. It's what we're able to do as a group. And so like so many times throughout the course of a year, you'd see someone do something that was that was pretty special and then the recognition they got from the entirety of the team was, was kind of unfound of what I mean. Like it was Certain things, but certain milestones. Like obviously, Abreu hit his, I think, his 300 career home run uh, in Seattle, and it was the way that the all banded together to make sure to get that ball. Um, the certain times where a home run would be hit right next to the bullpen, I'd get out to the bullpen and talking to guys out there. They're like, "Okay, yeah, we uh, we offered to give something to the guy to get the ball back, so we could give it to the guy." And that's just something that I think as a group, we we make sure to recognize the accomplishments that people, the individual accomplishments that people have. We kind of uh, get through the year. I think uh, with Kota hitting the 100 strikeouts, with Kimball hitting the 100 strikeouts with his uh, Cease uh, and um, Cease hitting the 200 strikeouts, it's just certain things like that that will pop up, but it was the amazing, like, just the entirety of the team was so excited for those individuals at that point in time. That was something one of the coolest things, and obviously watching some of these young guys grow in the game, it's, uh, it's something special, I think, especially for me in the bullpen. I kind of like that little uh, fatherly figure where I'm just so excited and proud of the guys that they're able to Yeah, I've seen the, uh, I, I can't remember if it was at the Field of Dreams game or the All-Star game. You did an interview from the bullpen. I want to say it was the All-Star game. That was your interview before you went out on the mound and forgot that you were mic'd up, which I thought was amazing. Yeah. Uh, but but, but I, when you were in the bullpen and you were sitting there and you were talking during that, it seems to me like you're basically watching the game as a fan until you get close to the end of the game. is that That's one of the perks, I would assume, of being the closer for this team. I mean, it's definitely a perk, but I think it takes an interesting personality to be able to kind of switch on and off, and that's something that it took me a long time to get to. Uh, for the longest time, I was sitting there kind of focusing on, okay, where's my role going to come? What's this, what's this, what's this? And then all of a sudden, like, kind of dawned on me that why am I bothering? Why don't I just sit here and watch the game? Because I get free access to a baseball game 162 times a year. 
And then I get a chance, okay, the situation, okay, it's a close game, okay, I'll start doing a little movement here and there. And then it's like, okay, now I'm ready to go, rather than sitting in the bullpen the entirety of the game to know, like, okay, well, if they call, it could be me, it could be me, it could be me. Kind of uh, taking it back and, as you said, being a fan of the game, being able to watch the game, being able to kind of see the, uh, the premier athletes turn around and so. It seems to me then what you're saying, and, and you know, correct me if I'm wrong, it does make a difference if a guy knows what his role is in a bullpen, right? I mean, it, to me then that sounds like if you know what you are, if you know you're the ninth inning guy, if you know you're the eighth inning guy, if you, you know, if you know situations that you're used to being called upon and you know your role, that benefits you, true or false? Uh, it depends on the personality, to be honest. I think there's still- Certain people that need that. There's certain people that don't need it. There's certain people that I think it's uh, it's all part and parcel the way they go. Like uh, I'm someone who needs it a little bit. Like I need to not necessarily the exact inning or the exact situation or anything like that. I just need to know like okay when when do I need to start getting ready? Seventh inning on, I get ready for the seventh inning, and if I if it doesn't come up, I'm going through the motions. But the last thing you want to do is get caught off guard by being okay. Well, I've been the seventh inning guy for the last month. Oh crap! I'm getting ready in the fourth inning now, and then you just everything's kind of thrown for thrown for a loop. But I mean, this day and age, with the way that uh, kind of kids are brought up in the minor leagues, they're brought into every single different role possible, so they never get used to it, never get comfortable in a role. And that way, they're a little bit more um, ambivalent to the cause. It's like you look at what say the Rays been able to do with however many guys being able to get saved throughout the course of the season. That doesn't happen unless everybody is bought into the fact that. We can pitch it in at any situation whatsoever and be ready for that. But it's, it's a very hard thing to kind of to grow in someone, uh, especially if they've gone through a role that they've been uh, later in a guy to being pushed further in the, earlier in the game without much warning. So you've got two guys now in, in the bullpen with you in uh, Craig Kimbrell, who come you know came midseason last year, and then now Kendall Graveman got signed. Um, both of those guys have been closers. I, I you know how do you how do you? How do the three of you guys? How how are you guys going to get along with each other in that regard, or is it just one of those where, like you said, they're going to have to deal with their own feelings towards their role, while you're just going to be ready, you know, uh, you know, ready to go in your own way? I mean, I'm not going to be the one who's going to sit there and and kind of tell them the way they need to do it, especially with Craig. Like he's done this for a lot longer than I am. I'm bouncing questions off him. Like it's it's one of those things where it's, I I felt bad for Craig in the fact that. He had such a good first half. He came over. I don't think it had anything to do with roles. I think it had to do more so with just having a string of... When you bounce around a little bit, all of a sudden it takes one thing to go wrong and then you're fighting for it because you're putting so much pressure on yourself to make a good first impression. So I don't think it was anything to do with kind of the way um, the roles or anything like that have been. Uh, I think the biggest thing now is just kind of taking the ego away for all three of us. It's... Uh, yeah, you can't go out there and be like, oh, I deserve the ninth inning or anything like that. It's no, I pitch what I'm told to, and I'm going to go out there, and my job is to get three outs. doesn't matter what inning, doesn't matter what situation. My job is to get three outs, and that's, that's all it comes down to. I don't care what inning I pitch. I just want to win. Liam Hendricks hanging with us here on Socks in the Basement. He's going to be with us the entire show. I know that Game 3 must have been fun. It wasn't a save situation for you. You got in there. The place was electric. I was at that game. Ed was at that game. We did pregame at Cork and Carrier at the park at 33rd and Princeton, the premier place 
for pregame and postgame and even just watching a game, even if the White Sox are on the road. They have award-winning burgers. Let me buy you one one day, Liam. Maybe we'll pick a day when we know that you're not actually pitching. We'll get you over there. An incredible menu, ballpark food, the best place to hang before and after a game. And then don't forget about Cork and Carry in Beverly, the traditional Irish bar. Both are open year-round and New Year's Eve in Bridgeport. 8 to 1 a.m., $50 all-inclusive party. That's right, cork and carry at the park, 50 bucks, all-inclusive, 8 o'clock until 1 a.m. on New Year's Eve. Both locations, New Year's Day, $2 domestic bottles all day long. You know, a little hair of the dog after the celebration on New Year's. 33rd in Princeton, 10614 Southwestern Avenue, in Chicago, Beverly neighborhood. Check them both out at corkandcarry.com. But besides game three, I think one of the most exciting parts of the season was Feel the Dreams. Most of us watched it on TV. Some people lucky enough to be there. And after the game was over, people were kind of learning things about it. Like it's possible there might've been a little bit of a slope to the field. It wasn't exactly even. So maybe right field was a little bit lower and you know, it was cool, but it might not have played like any other, uh, you know, Major League Baseball diamond. When you went out to pitch in that last inning, uh, did you feel like it was the same as pitching in any other Major League Baseball stadium? Or were you basically like, I don't know what's going to happen here. I'm just going to do my best. And, you know, whatever happens, we'll just see how this whole thing ends up. Yeah, it was just the, the entire vibe around the entire day was fantastic. It was such a cool event. I think that added to the adrenaline that you're running out there. Um Obviously, the stands and there's as many people that are in a normal stadium. Um, there's not as many tiers in a normal stadium. But I think the biggest thing that's the difference for me was those, the lights are different. All of a sudden, you're going out there expecting to be able to see clearly. And my eyesight's not exactly great to begin with. But then you had like, dimming lights and all this sort of stuff. It was very hard to kind of uh, to get that back. But um, at the end of the day, uh, I didn't have the best outing. But uh, that's what we did all season. Most we picked each other up and TA was able to kind of get a walk-off to give us that win is one of the defining moments of our season, and that's uh, it's something really cool. But I don't think the, I think the field, the field they did a very good job of the playing stuff. I think that everything they did there was fantastic. The mound wasn't destroyed as what a lot of these made the made for that day mounds are. Um, everything they did a really good job with everything on the playing surface. I think the lights are the, and are always going to be one of the bigger issues to try and figure out because there's a reason stadium lights are very expensive to not only operate but also put up. So it's. Um, yeah, it was such a cool event, though. Like, I, I loved every minute of it, except until I actually pitched, because I gave up four runs, and that wasn't exactly <laughs> ideal in that situation. So it, I have the theory, though, that T.A. paid you off to set him up for the walk-off, because yeah. he knew he would get that at-bat. Right. So I that, mean, that's not what happened? That wasn't done on purpose? I had brought that up to him. I'm like, man, I'm just making, I'm, I'm making everybody realize who you are. You're giving yourself up, dude. He didn't want to. He was like, no, no, no. I, I got you off the hook. Like, I, I saved you. You didn't get anything to me. I saved you. So. That's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah, I, I'm going to tell you. I, uh, first of all, that was an incredible moment at the end. Secondly, I do remember as I picture the jumping around a very ecstatic Liam Hendricks. Like you looked overjoyed at how that thing had ended after the way that that inning had gone for you right beforehand. But then let's talk about T.A. a little bit because I saw, I kind of get the feeling the two of you kind of rib each other from time to time. Uh, something came out uh, in the last couple of days, Stratomatic Baseball. I don't know if you know very much about it. It's like a game where you use dice and they rate guys based upon how good they are hitting and their defense. And they have upped Tim Anderson from a rating of being a below average defender 
to a well above average defender and they put it out and it was like they they see this massive difference in him. Did you see like really solid defense? Do you feel comfortable with him behind you? The thing with TA is he's every ball he gets to, he's gonna make a throw on. Like it's and it's gonna be a it's gonna be a throw that's gonna be on the money. It's gonna be a throw that he has so many different arm angles he can throw it from. And he can throw any ball in any kind of situation, he's gonna have a good throw coming off it. Uh, and that's one of the things that I really noticed. But I think a lot of the credit goes to Joe McKilling and what they're able to do as uh, as the intro coach and stuff like that because if he's improved, it's because of the coaching staff and the, and the effort he puts in. But he's out there every day making sure he gets better, and that's uh, that's something that is you don't see with everybody. I think I've gone through some of the similar transformations with uh, with uh, next white sock and Marcus Simeon. When I got over there, he was struggling at shortstop. He wasn't quite there. Um, he was making some some interesting plays, but then Ron Washington got to him, and all of a sudden he turned into being a Gold Glove finalist in '19, and then went to Gold Glove at second base this past year as well. So are there any of your teammates that you are looking forward to seeing, you know, make make an improvement or make a jump, you know, coming into this the next year? So I'm obviously partial to the bullpen, um, spending so much time with those guys out there. Um, one, I think Aaron Bummer had some of the worst luck I've ever seen in baseball last year with the amount of infield singles and ground balls that shouldn't get through any, any infield got through. Um, that was very hard to watch, but I think one of the biggest things for me is going to be continuing to watch the way that both Michael Kopech and Garrett Crochet move forward in their different roles, whatever those roles are this coming year. But I think one of the ones that I'm really excited about seeing is Ryan Hurd. Uh, seeing what he was able to do, seeing what he was able to kind of, how he was able to grow as not only a human being, but just his confidence growing on and off the field. I think it's something that uh, they can only play into what he's he's going to move forward to, and I think I'm, that's one of the big things I'm really excited for. But, I mean, if you want to look at the position player side, I think um, Andrew Vaughn's one of the ones. I, I, the amount he worked on his defense after never playing in the outfield before, it's something, uh, there's something very admirable about what he was able to do. And, and we had complete faith that he was going to try his darndest to make sure that every play got made out there, and that's, that's all you can ask for a vision. So I've sat behind the bullpen a couple of times, uh, especially in the last year, sat back there a few times and, and I noticed something and I'm wondering if you can just, uh, you know, maybe I'm wrong about my perception of this, but pregame, there are an awful lot of pretty young, uh, South side, uh, girls that will come down into the section while the guys are all sitting in the bullpen and then they get themselves all like primped up and they're checking their face and their phone and they go down and they all yell for Michael Kopech. Is Kopech the most popular guy in the, in the dugout with with the girls at the ballpark? I don't think it's only girls that have been coming down, printing up, and yelling at him. I think that's uh, I think it goes both ways. But yeah, he's definitely the, uh, the most popular in the bullpen about who's uh, who's calling him. Uh, and it's it is no age, there's no gender, there's no there's nothing specific about it. I mean, it's all the way from five year old kids to. 85-year-old guys, it's just they've got everything in between. But Kopech, no matter where we go, it's at home, on the road, he is by far and away the most popular person in that bullpen, which is great for everybody else because everybody else gets a bit of a breather. Now, does he lean into it? Is he enjoying himself with that? Or is he looking to you guys to try and block for him? Because, you know, some guys just don't want that attention. Yeah, he's not huge on the attention. He's more, um, he's more I just want to go there and do my job and kind of go along with it. Um I, I learned a lot about the way Michael operates this year, being obviously out there with him. But he's, uh, yeah, he's very much more on the, I just want to kind of hang out by myself and and I don't need the adoration or anything like that. I think um, 
So, Liam, I got to ask you a question. I, I, I took a trip to your, your, your homeland a few years back, and I, I tried to cover as much of Australia as I possibly could. Like, I was up in Cairns. I went to Canberra. I went to Brisbane. I went to Sydney. I took a train for, like, a 24-hour trip. where I, I was, But I was only on the east side. And you're, you're over on the west side over in Perth. But I, I noticed two things. One, there were an awful lot of White Sox hats in Sydney, which was really strange to me. But there were a lot of them there. And I was learning it was more of a fashion statement than it was the fact that there were a lot of White Sox fans there. But secondly, n- nobody eats Vegemite. Nobody does all these things that people think that Australians do. In fact, the cuisine is incredible. It's like you have the best from everything. You have you have the best from all these different other countries. And you guys do it really, really well over there, at least in the areas that I was at. Do you get tired of people asking you things like the basic things about uh, Australia in interviews, like, you know, how many kangaroos you've seen? Uh, did a wallaby run across your front lawn? Uh, do, do you like Vegemite? Does that get so does all that, the questions, Chris? All the stuff. I'm, but out. does that drive you nuts? Because I notice that a lot of times with the national interviews, people go to that very quickly. Yeah, I think the biggest thing is how kind of annoyed I get every time someone's like, oh, I can never get a straight because of the spiders. I'm like, you live in Arizona, there's scorpions out here. They're way worse. What are you guys talking about? But um, so I, yeah, I, I eat Vegemite all the time. So, I mean, I think you're asking the wrong sorts of people who eat Vegemite because everyone I've ever spoken to, I've only known one person had to like it. So, um, that's something that I eat a lot. Uh, I think it's my wife, whenever she's not feeling the best, it's, uh, it's very high in, in, uh, in sodium and nutrients, and it's, it's actually good for recovering from things. But yeah, that's one big thing. Like, uh, there's always like, the kangaroos or the koalas or all that, everything that can kill you in Australia, which I mean, is true, but in saying that, we're still a populous country that has cities and everything like that. You just don't see a kangaroo hopping down the city. It's kind of like, you know, I get muscle aches all the time. I've gone from being able to do whatever I want to and not feeling any pain to basically getting pain for any kind of physical activity. Good news is a local family-owned Southside business that provides a CBD topical that will not break the bank. Creaky Bone Balm offers concentrated relief for creaky bones. It is an effective hemp-based CBD in a rejuvenating balm. And guess what? It's made in small batches, always free of preservatives, and all natural ingredients. It's great for muscle aches, tension, inflammation, joint pain. You can even use it for skin ailments like burns and dry, cracked skin. Right now, go to creakybone.com and use the promo code BASEMENT. Get 20% off your order. And now check out the new 2,500 milligram balm with reduced pricing on their classic balms right now at creakybone.com. Let's go back to the, the postseason because I'm kind of curious. Did you have any advice for your younger pitchers that were that were on your staff? I mean, some of these guys it was their first time um, and some of them it was their first time with with fans and that noise. And, you know, the, the rotation and, and some of the guys that came out of the pen, they it wasn't their best. I mean, let's be honest. You guys have a really great pitching staff. You have a really great bullpen. I mean, it's some, it's a source of pride, I think, for White Sox fans. But it, it got a little different in the postseason. I think guys may have experienced the different level of play and the, and, and the different excitement and the way that things feel when something goes wrong. Uh, did you have any advice for your, your less experienced uh, teammates, either during or after it was all over? Yeah, obviously, um, 
Well, going up against Houston, who one is very, very good at the analytical side of things. They're very good at picking up on things. They're very good at uh, picking up on tendencies and moving forward with all that sort of stuff. And that's something that um, I think we're, we're a very old organization, but in terms of that sort of stuff, I think we're a very young organization. I think there's a lot of ways that we can improve with uh, defining what we can figure out about the other teams rather than and ourselves as well. It's, it, it goes both ways, but the one thing that I stressed to at least the guys in the bullpen and some of the other pitchers was just as soon as you get out there, just take a, take, take a step off the mound and then just spin and see the crowd. Experience the moment because this doesn't happen every day. This doesn't happen every year. This isn't a thing that is just going to be like, oh, we're going to the playoffs every year. Okay, it's another year in the playoffs. No, no, no. It, it doesn't happen every year. You get to soak it in. You get to experience it. You get to experience it. And that's, uh, that's something that it took me a long time to get to my first playoffs. And it's, um, it, it doesn't happen every year. And it's something that you need to embrace. And, and I think, I mean, afterwards, it was one of the things where, like, you got to learn from this. This is something that last year, 2020 doesn't count. It's the playoffs, yes, but there was no fans. It doesn't count. But that's the thing that you got to embrace the most is going into enemy territory and experiencing their fans. And Houston has some really good fans that are very loud, very boisterous, and ready to go. So this is something that um, I think a lot of guys can gain some experience from. Uh, not only in the pitching stuff, but only the younger guys as well. It's, it's anybody. Every year is a new, a new challenge that you're going to kind of face and embrace in the playoffs. And that was the one thing that I really stressed, making sure learn something from this. Don't just take it for granted. Just learn something from this. And that way next year when we come back, we're going to be, even, we're going to be stronger and ready to go. You know, I find that really interesting as you tell them, get out there and soak in the noise and the fans and, and get, a, get a look at it. And it takes me to a movie that I just stumbled across the other day while I'm flipping channels. I don't know if you've seen it. It's the Kevin Costner movie where he goes out and he basically pitches a, a perfect game. I think it's called For the Love of the Game. And he does this thing on the mound. Yeah, the mechanism. yeah and he does. Do you do that? I mean, like when you're out there, do you do something that clears the mechanism and you don't hear anything or is that impossible and you actually can hear people while you're doing what you're doing? Uh, it's, it, it, it's, it's an interesting one because it's, it, you can't do what he did in the movie where you just block out everything. But you're able to block out individuals. So like I can sit there and when I'm looking, I just hear like a dull roar rather than individuals screaming certain things. Um, in between pitches, you can hear a little bit more, but even then, I can hear my wife cut through walls at that point. So if I'm struggling or anything like that, I can hear her, her voice, even if she's at home and the, on the Gold Coast and I'm on the South Side. So, um, yeah, it's, uh, <laughs> it's, uh, it's, not, it's not quite the same as the movie, but it's similar in the fact that you just dull out the individuals. So is there a fan base that's like funnier than others? Is there, you know, is there one that like you kind of look forward to some of the things you're going to hear you know, to the extent that you, you can't block them out versus some of the other places, I, I you know, or is it just one of those where you kind of you kind of get the same stuff everywhere you go? Uh, it's individual, obviously, and it changes per game and per situation. Uh, Boston's always a pretty good one just because they're right there. The next year they have a chance to kind of see who you are, and they do some research on you, and then they get after it a little bit. But, um, yeah, Usually the ones with the bullpens that are able to be seen, they're, they're sometimes the best uh, or sometimes the worst because you get the generic ones where the dad's screaming and then as soon as he yells something, he looks at his kids and chuckles a little bit like he's uh, recreating a wheel kind of thing. Um, but, yeah, generally when they give it some fault, they're going through some things. Um, I still think the best heckler I've ever had was in Syracuse, which is in AAA. It was the Nationals at the time. 
it was a guy calling call himself suspect. He just looked at me stats and started yelling him off and then being like, okay, this is some really good numbers, but uh, you're going to suck today. And that was pretty much the gist of it. I love that. Now you, you get vocal on the mound. Is that something that focuses you? Is that, I mean, is that you, we have a couple guys on this team. I mean, Lance Lynn, he he's vocal on the mound too. In fact, one of the things that White Sox fans like to do on social media is slow down what you guys are saying so they can lip read. Uh, we get a kick out of it. I mean, there's all kinds of videos you can find where people are like, they're enjoying what you guys do out there. Is that a focusing thing? Is that an anger thing? Does that hype you up? What is that? Uh, it's a way for everybody in the world to know that I messed up, and it takes the pressure off me. So it's something that if you throw a bad picture and like that, all of a sudden you start thinking, okay, well, i got to make this one like make this one a little bit better or anything like that. No, I scream so that way I know that everyone knows that I messed up, and everyone knows that I'm going to do something to kind of, like, kind of uh, go back on that. But it's, it's a way for me. I get picked up at balls. Obviously, I didn't walk for any guys this year, and that was – because of what I think what I'm able to do on the mound, but it's, uh, it's a lot of it comes down to focusing and taking the pressure off my back. So if I'm screaming, if I'm doing all these things, it's letting everybody in the world know that I'm either really happy with what I just did or really pissed off myself about what I just did. And there's no in between. There's no, uh, there's no like, oh, I'm trying to remain stoic. I'm trying to do this. I let the emotions fly. I think that's what, uh, I think that's what the game needs is, it's more emotions coming out. More people screaming and yelling and getting excited or getting depressed or getting sad. I think it's, uh, Gone are the days of the stoic baseballer who is the epitome of stone and doesn't show any emotion no matter what. I think uh, the game is moving in a different direction where emotions are uh, what's going to fuel that next generation of fans. All right, so as we as we wind towards the end here, um, I wanted to tell you a story, Liam. Uh, I, you know, we're big fans. We're we're very excited that you're on the show, and uh, you know, I I really enjoy watching you, and I I think that this team made a great move by going out and getting you. We talked about it when you were brought onto the team, and then we could see it all year long, and I can't wait to continue to watch you next year and beyond. Um, but I have a I have a nephew, and he shares a first name with you. His name is Liam O'Malley, a grammar school kid, raised in a house full of Cub fans. Uh, his father's a Cub fan, his his brother's a Cubs fan, all that side of the family are Cubs fans, and once a year, my sister, who's a White Sox fan, takes him to a game at the rate. And she brought him to a game this year, and he's always this interested. And in the ninth inning, in a game we were leading and it was close, all of a sudden the music hits, and out comes a guy with the same first name as him. And it says Liam on the board. And she said this kid's face lit up like a Christmas tree. And then you struck out the side. She's like, I mean, it was like, it was like, not only did you come out there, but then you did the whole thing where you just sit the other side down and you're throwing your fist in the air. And that last final fist pump that we all love when you do it. I think everybody at home is doing it. Cause I see everybody in the stadium doing it. Drywallers love it because people yeah. run through walls. People, when they yeah. see you do people it. punch walls are so excited. Right. Exactly. But this kid was so excited. And now he's a cub fan who really likes Liam Hendricks and watches some White Sox games. And I feel like we could convert him, Liam. I feel like we could bring this kid from the dark side. Is there anything you could possibly say to my nephew, uh, Liam O'Malley, as to why maybe he should switch teams and come over to the White Sox? Well, obviously, I'm the only person in big league history to have the name Liam. So there's that going for us. Um, <laughs> the other thing is, like, I, so I've been working on this for a long time. I was with the Cubs for 10 days, by the way, back in 2013, the offseason. Yeah, 2014 offseason. Uh, was with for 10 days. They picked me up. They DFA'd me straight away. The whole day that up. Uh, but I think the biggest 
one that I can say is, look, we have more fun on the south side. Like the south side just has more fun. I think it's a way where we show the emotion that Lance and I are able to put onto a mound. We show that on a daily basis, whereas the Cubs fans tend to be a little bit more stoic. I mean, they're all suits and buttoned-up ties and all this, and the White Sox fans are the ones who We're more of a, uh, the blue-collar group, whereas the, the White Sox, uh, the Cubs fans tend to be more of the, uh, the white-collar group. I think that's uh, the biggest defining difference that I've been able to find, and I think that's where the emotion comes. They show the attitude. They're not afraid to be different. They're not afraid to kind of show their uh, their metal, and it's uh, it's a tribute to what we've been able to do as a team, and hopefully we can convert old Liam O'Malley, which is the true Irish name, to, uh, to come over the come over the light side where we should have more fun. The fans have more fun. The players have more fun. Everybody has more fun on our side. That's awesome. That's awesome. <laughs> well, uh, Liam, I, I appreciate you coming on. Before we let you go, can you tell people how they can donate money, support, and help out in any possible way the South Slider Society? Uh, look, we're not biased about where you put your money or where it goes. We just want to make sure that everybody helps out whoever they can at any point in time, whether it's an animal rescue in need or whether it's your local fire department or anything like that, or if it's just something that's passionate about you. But the biggest thing is find something you're passionate about. Follow that to the nth degree and just make sure that you go about doing certain things. Like we, we don't necessarily kind of, we don't, we don't judge about where you put your money, whether it be towards animals, whether it be towards homelessness or LGBTQ rights, or whether it be just in basis of making sure you add to the, the uh, global warming crisis or anything like that. Certain things that are going to pique your interest and make sure you just follow your passions. That's one of the big things that uh, my wife and I have done is we followed our passions and it led us to where we are and we wouldn't change anything in the world, but we, uh, we're going to do some, uh, some more things next year. We haven't decided on what we're going to attack just yet, but we're going to make sure we do some things next year. And, and hopefully now that the, we're settling down a little bit, we get a little bit more fluidity with, uh, with everything. We can hopefully set a gala together and work on something to, get, to do that with some of the players that get some fans out there and, and really do as much good as we can for the Chicago area. Well, sitting here at the end of the 9-foot homemade oak bar that we do the show from, I have a... Uh, a plaque that has former White Sox reliever Bobby Jenks celebrating on the mound. Uh, that's after he won the World Series. And I would like to put right next to it Liam Hendricks celebrating on the mound after winning the World Series sometime next year, okay? So uh, if you could do that for me, I, I'd really appreciate it. And uh, I just want you to know that we're all we're all pulling for you guys. Uh, we love this team. Uh, you know, this is the, baseball is not just a sport to me; it's a religion. And uh, I just absolutely love what you guys are doing. I think we've got a nice young team, and I'm excited about. It. I know Ed's very excited about it down here. And uh, we we cannot wait to see you guys get going next year and uh, and watch this team take the next step. Yeah, we're excited. Obviously, that's our goal now. Anything it's uh, the World Series or bust. We've got the team that can do it. Now we just need to make sure we uh, we have the finishing touches and and make sure that everyone's in the right state of mind about making sure that they they go about and earn whatever they're being given. And, and now we, that's this is what it is. Nothing's been given. We're going in there with a fresh slate. We've got to. 162 practice games to get to where we need to be, and that's what we're going to do. Socks in the basement. Socks in the basement. Socks in the basement. Socks in the basement. Heard everywhere podcasts can be found, and always on SocksInTheBasement.com.